0: Well, let me add uh, my welcome to that of Ed's uh, earlier in the service. And uh, as we come now to look at the Bible, uh, I'd encourage you to turn uh, back in the Bible to the reading that Sarah read for us. Uh, Luke chapter 24, verses 13 uh, to 35. It's page 1061, if you want to follow it in a church Bible that you should find somewhere in front of you, page 1061. Verse 34, the disciple says, it is true, the Lord has risen. Uh, last Easter weekend, a year ago, just, uh, just under a year ago, I, I was handed a letter by a member of the congregation uh, as I stood at the door over there. On the back of the letter she wrote her name and the instruction to be opened at my death. Uh, last month I took her funeral. This time last year, Angela had been feeling unwell for some time and and was beginning to wonder if, uh, in fact, she was more poorly than she'd first realised, which is why she gave me the letter. I opened it to find some instructions about her funeral, but I also found a deep and solid confidence in life beyond the grave. Listen to her words, words that I quoted at her funeral service. She wrote this. For the past few weeks, knowing that there is something significantly wrong, I've been prepared for this. Through many disturbed nights, these sleepless hours had been filled not with fear and trembling, but with an inexpressible joy in the Lord's presence with me and with that peace which passes all understanding. Angela wasn't afraid of death. She was sure that at her death she would be instantly taken to paradise and to be with her Lord and to enjoy him forever. She went on to write these words, Jesus said, in my father's house are many rooms and I go and prepare a place for you. I have confidence that the place for me will be wonderful before beyond all imagining. Can you hear in those words the certainty of life beyond the grave? It's a wonderful thing to have and it comes from the events of Easter Sunday. It is in stark contrast with most who I meet when I'm asked to take a funeral. Through this last year, indeed through every year since I was ordained, as I've uh, met the bereaved, I've met people who have no significant understanding of the claims of Jesus Christ and therefore no certainty of anything beyond the grave. It is so tragic. And what makes it most distressing is that many of the people I meet have throughout their lives refused, it seems, to consider the claims of Jesus Christ, the one who's risen from the dead, the one who offers eternal life, What, of course, is very striking is that when death comes knocking at their door, they do want to know what Jesus has to offer. The problem is it is a bit late then, isn't it? Look, Easter Sunday is wonderful. It gives confidence in the face of death. And because of that, it changes the whole of life. Not just that moment of death, but the whole of life. Uh, Despite having written War and Peace and Anna Karenia, Tolstoy, at age 50, looked back on his life and considered it to be a meaningless, regrettable failure. He wrote, as many of you will know, a confession. And in that writing, you'll read an insight into his his reasoning, why he came to that point where he considered life meaningless. Let me quote one section. My question, that which at the age of 50 brought me to the verge of suicide, was the simplest of questions lying in the soul of every man, a question without an answer to which one cannot live. It was, what will come of what I'm doing today and tomorrow? What will come of my whole life? Why should I live? Why wish for anything or do anything? It can also be expressed thus, is there any meaning in my life that the inevitable death awaiting me does not destroy Is there any meaning in my life that the inevitable death awaiting me does not destroy? Do you see the point? Death doesn't only ruin life when it comes. The fact that it is looming there at the end of our lives, waiting to grab us all, ruins the whole of life, says Tolstoy. I heard one person put it like this. If every card in my hand is going to be trumped, does it matter how I play the game? And so you see, being sure of the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead changes everything and it's what uh, this event in Luke chapter 24 is all about, page 1061. See if you look at verse 13 and as we read through this passage you'll see in verse 13 we're on a walk from Jerusalem to a village called Emmaus. You'll see from that, that verse, verse 13, that it's a fair old hike for an Easter Sunday afternoon, seven miles to be precise. As we read through these verses we're walking with two people. And that is what we're meant to do. Luke has quite deliberately recorded the events of this walk here to teach us. He wants us to know that if we too are going to face death with confidence, we need to walk this walk to share this experience. This walk is a walk from despair when it comes to the things of Jesus Christ to personal discovery of who he is and of his resurrection from the dead. This is a journey, if you like, from doubt to faith. And maybe you're here this morning with your own doubts. You've looked at the world around you and you wonder if there really is a God at all. You've experienced real tragedy and quite understandably it's left you questioning all sorts of things. Well look, it's great you've come this morning, thank you for coming. This is for you, this journey from despair to discovery. We start then with despair. As this couple walk along the Emmaus Road, I call them Mr. and Mrs. Cleopas, as they drag themselves home on this Sunday afternoon, they're battling with uncertainty. They don't know what to make of the events that have happened on this first Easter weekend. As they walked along the road, verse 14, they talked about everything that had happened. The events of the last few days, the death of Jesus on the cross, of his burial, of now his missing body, and of reports that some of the women among them had seen visions of angels telling them that Jesus was alive. They turned the events over in their minds as they walked along that road. But the second half of verse 17 tells us how they felt. Do you see it there, verse 17? They stood still, their faces downcast. Says it all, doesn't it? They'd just seen the Lord Jesus Christ murdered, such a wonderful man, a paragon of of goodness and purity slaughtered by evil men. No wonder they were downcast. And can you feel the agony of the first four words of verse 21? Do you see them there? Just four words, but they sum up how they felt. But we had hoped. Martin Luther King said, shattered dreams are the hallmark of our mortal lives. They had hoped that Jesus was the promised Messiah, God's King in God's world. They'd hoped that he was the answer to all their problems. But in the last few days, all they'd seen was a crown of thorns thrust on his head and a sarcastic notice fastened to his cross announcing him the King of the Jews. And so having witnessed the death of Jesus... The one they put their hope in. They were trying to make sense of life. They now needed some anchor points in a cruel world. Do you you need that, or am I the only one who needs that? Ah, look, this is the walk that so many are on through life, trying desperately to find meaning in life when faced with death and the disappointment of hopes dashed. That's what death does. It robs us of all our hopes and dreams. I'll never forget the words of a tearful widow when I met her to plan her husband's funeral. Through the tears she said to me he was to retire on Friday and the following week we have the removal men coming to move us to our new cottage in the Cotswolds. Retirement in a dream cottage in the country gone in a moment. Plans, hopes, dreams shattered in an instant. That's what death does. As they walk along the road to Emmaus, Mr. and Mrs. Cleopas are a picture of anyone without the certainty of life beyond the grave. Verse 17, downcast. Verse 21, hope dashed. And so secondly, this is a journey from despair to discovery. Verse 15. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognising him. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them, named Cleopas, asked him, are you only a visitor to Jerusalem and don't you know the things that have happened there in these last days? What things, he asked, about Jesus of Nazareth? They replied, "He was a prophet powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and the rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it's the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but didn't find his body. They came and told us what they'd seen that they'd seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it, just as the women had said, but him they did not see. Have you noticed the disciples knew the facts about Christ? Verse 19, they knew he was a prophet. They knew he'd performed amazing miracles. They knew he had taught astonishing truth. Verse 20, they knew he had been crucified. Verse 24, they even knew the tomb was empty. They knew the facts. But no one had explained the meaning of these things to them. You see, you you can know about the events of Jesus' life and death and resurrection. You can know that he was raised. You can know the Easter story. But if you don't understand them, I went to church for years. I knew these facts, but the church-going I experienced never explained the cross that was hanging on the front at the front of the church. So, so I never understood actually what it meant. I was never told what it was meant. And I meet people, many people like that, people who know that Jesus died on the cross, but don't know why. People who know that Jesus was raised from the dead, but they don't have a clue what difference it makes. People just like Mr. and Mrs. Cleopas. Now let me ask you this Easter Sunday morning, if I may, is that you? Know the facts, but don't know why or how they make any difference to life. Let me ask this, if Easter Sunday were not here, would it make any difference to the way you live life the rest of the year? Look, as we turn back to the passage, for me, we come to the most astonishing part of this walk and the most important moment. Look what happens next. Look how Jesus goes about explaining the facts. And before you look, ask yourself, how would you have done it? I know what I'd have done if I'd been Jesus at this point. Here, as as Jesus walked alongside the Cleopas's, and as they finished their depressing speech of Jesus' death and the empty tomb and all their hopes being dashed, I know what I'd have done if I'd have been Jesus. As they finished their speech, I'd have thrown my hands in the air and said, look, it's me, I'm alive! I've risen from the dead! And I'd have danced around the room and thrown my arms around them. Well, perhaps not thrown my arms around them, I am an Englishman after all, but wouldn't you have done the same wouldn't you have come straight out with it look, look it's me, I've risen so hard to keep good news to yourself isn't it, don't you want to tell everybody when you've got some good news I get so excited when Leeds United win that I want to tell people it, it so rarely happens these days 2-0 yesterday against Walsall in case you're interested I want to tell everyone when we've got good news we want to tell people I can't keep it in So you'd have thought Jesus would have just told Mr. and Mrs. Cleopas that he was alive. But look what actually happens. Verse 25, he said to them, How foolish you are and how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Christ have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. Do you see the point? What does Jesus do here? Well, what he doesn't do is, he doesn't say, it's me, it's me. What does he do? He does a Bible study with them. He takes them to the Bible to explain the facts. It seems so ordinary, doesn't it? He takes them to the Bible to reveal himself to them. Very striking. Now why? Why why does Jesus reveal himself to his disciples and to us in this way? And I think this is the most important thing that I'm going to say today. He does it because he wants our confidence in him to be rooted in the unchanging truth of his objective word and not just in our subjective experience. Let me say that again. He does it this way because he wants our confidence in him to be rooted in his unchanging truth of his objective word and not in our subjective experience. When I worked in the newspaper business, one of my colleagues, Steve, became a very good friend. Uh, Such good friends that Steve uh, asked me to be his best man and the godfather of his first child. Uh, Steve and I were good friends and like all good mates, we we talked about everything. He knew I was a committed Christian and although he'd been a churchgoer as a lad and and even been baptised as a teenager, he didn't really believe and after another one of our many long conversations over dinner, he said this to me, "Paul, I'd believe if Jesus appeared to me." Now I've met a number of people since who'd say exactly the same thing. Well, let, let's say he did. Let, let's imagine it right now. Just imagine that Jesus appeared here now, here at, at Christchurch Ford on Easter Sunday morning. Wouldn't that be amazing? And on Tuesday morning, and you went back to work, uh, or wherever you spend your Tuesday mornings, uh, your colleagues would say to you, "Have you had a good weekend?" And you'd say, "You know it was amazing." I went to Christchurch forward on Easter Sunday morning, and uh, do you know what happened? We saw Jesus Christ in all his glory standing before us. And how would they reply? "Get out of here. They do it with mirrors." And then they'd pull your leg and they'd send emails around the office about you, having, you know, having a reputation for being a sandwich short of a picnic. And after a week of ribbing and sarcastic banter, you'd say to yourself, did I really see Jesus? Did I let myself get conned into it? There were a good number of people at church and the music and all. And, did I just get caught up in the moment? Was it really him? And so to keep believing, you'd need Jesus to do it again, wouldn't you? Uh, You'd need to see him next Sunday, or maybe sooner, next Friday. That is exactly what happens in the events of the first Easter weekend. Some of Jesus' disciples saw the risen Jesus. They told others what they saw, and those others said, get out of here. And that's why Jesus doesn't do that here, because this walk has got to be our walk. And so Jesus opens the Bible, and verse 27, beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. And you see why he does it? So that any day in the future, no matter how they were feeling, and my feelings can go up and down, can yours? I, sometimes I wake up in the morning and I feel just, just pretty drab for no reason whatsoever. So, you see, no matter how they were feeling and whatever anyone else said, they could pull out their Bible and check things out for themselves and they could say, we were not mistaken. This is why we believe. Uh, Just before Easter 2004, I took the funeral of a 17-year-old. Ashley was his name. He was a remarkable young man, committed Christian. Uh, He faced his death with, with great courage. It's a privilege, having spent those months with him before he died. I actually, along with a colleague, visited him regularly. And a few months before he died, he said to this colleague of mine, because I'm so ill, I find my faith shaken, and then I need people to read the Bible to me. What a mature faith for a 17-year-old. See, that's the point. No matter how I'm feeling, the Bible is certain and solid and sure, full of stability. So at three o'clock in the morning you wake up and you think to yourself, am I alone in the universe? And you can reach across and pick up your Bible and you can say, no, no, I'm not mistaken. That's why I believe. The Bible is God's way of finding God. Now maybe you're here this morning and you've been searching for God for many years. Looking for meaning in the universe. Maybe you've never been thinking, you don't even know why you're here this morning. You've turned up, but well, it's great you've come. Let me ask you, if, if you're not sure about Christian things or unsure about the meaning of life, have you ever looked at the Bible? I mean seriously, intentionally. Was the last time you looked at it when you were a kid? Have you looked at it as an adult? Have you ever done that with someone with someone else who can explain it to you? if you're not certain about the things that we've been thinking about this morning will you come on our Christianity Explored course it begins on the 1st of May Thursday May the 1st there's a date for the diary come the the first week give it a try ask any question you like and we will unashamedly through the course open up Mark's Gospel and we believe that as we do that you will encounter the living Christ it's as if he walks off the pages into your life you'll actually find that these disciples' experience is your experience You'll find that Christ is not elusive. It's marvellous. You see, it's verse thirty two. They asked each other, Were not our hearts burning burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us. Ah, hearing the Bible talk will not simply be a cerebral experience. It will be a heartwarming, burning experience. It may even be uncomfortable at times. Now that's my experience and the experience of many here that as they read the Bible, it's almost as if it has their name and address written on it. It may be uncomfortable, but it will also be moving and heartwarming. So come along to Christianity's Thought on May the 1st. And to those who are here this morning who are already convinced of these things, let me ask you, in the light of this, how's your Bible reading going? Do you feel a bit dry in the Christian life? You know you ought to be you know, thrilled, it's Easter Sunday morning, but actually, just a bit, just a bit drab. What do you need to start reading the Bible again? See, as we read the Bible in the morning, we have an encounter with the living God, if we'll do it seriously. We meet Christ. Were not our hearts burning within us as he opened the scriptures to us? See, please note that verse 27 precedes verse 32. Truth comes before experience. Now don't mishear me. There is a heartwarming experience that all genuine Christian believers will have. If you've never had your heart warmed, then maybe you're not a real believer at all. But listen, in some circles today, you'll be encouraged to bypass the mind. But do you see it here? Jesus warms the heart through the mind. And that's why it's so sad to meet Christian after Christian who's trying to ground their experiences with Christ outside the scriptures. So come on, will you get back to reading the Bible if you've stopped? The walk on the Emmaus Road then, it's a walk from despair to discovery. And then finally and very briefly, discovery to declaration. See, having met the risen Jesus and and understood the resurrection, what's their reaction? Verse 33. They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven and those with them assembled together and saying, it is true. The Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. I love this. They hot-footed back to Jerusalem, seven miles. They ran all the way, bursting to tell the disciples the good news, that Jesus was alive, that they had actually met him. And you know what happened when they arrived? Before they had a chance to get a word out edgeways, the disciples said to them, verse 34, The Lord Jesus has risen, he's appeared to Peter. Isn't that annoying? look here, here's the issue. They scurried back to tell others that Jesus Christ is risen. The first thing the others said to them was "The Lord has risen. They, everybody wanted to declare this good news as soon as they knew it. That indeed is the pattern right the way through Luke chapter 24. You'll see it in verse 9. When they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the others. See, so yeah, empty tomb, let's tell people. It's verse 35. Then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognised by them when he broke the bread. And it's verse 48 and 49, the climax of the chapter. Jesus tells all the disciples that they will be empowered by the Holy Spirit. Why? So that they can tell the world the good news that Jesus is alive. What is Luke telling us? He's saying the authentic experience of someone who's encountered the risen Jesus is that we'll want to tell others. He's not saying it's easy, but he'll say we want it. Do you want to tell others about Jesus? If not, then you've probably never met him yourself. Oh, this is challenging because there are people who we feel nervous about telling. People who, who we think don't want to hear. But remember where we started. Faced with death... Every life without Christ is a life downhearted and full of shattered dreams. That's where death leaves us. And it is hanging over everyone. And so everyone needs to hear the message of Easter Sunday. Some, everyone needs to know the message of verse 34. It is true, the Lord has risen. Even people who look successful and confident and seem to have it all together... Even people who don't seem to be interested. In the light of death, who doesn't need the message of life beyond the grave? Look, I have taken hundreds of funerals and I have not yet met anyone who is not interested in life beyond the grave at that point. Jesus is risen. Death is defeated. Eternity is certain. Isn't that something? Isn't that amazing? Don't you want that for yourself? And don't you want it for all those who love you and whom you love? Well, in a moment we're going to pray. Let me say uh, before we do, uh, then I'd like to uh, uh, give out these booklets at the end of the service. I'll be standing at the door as you leave. Um, Do please take one. It's Why Did Jesus Rise? It tells you some more about the things we've been thinking about. And tucked inside, there's a little card, an invitation to, uh, to Christianity Explored, to our course that begins on May the 1st. If you just fill that in and tick the Christianity Explored box, we'll give you all the details that you need. Uh, Well, thanks again for coming and listening. Uh, May I wish you again a very happy Easter. We'll turn to prayer. A moment of silence and then Ed will uh, lead us in our time of prayer.